Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. Yay! Yay! Season five. They didn't say that we do, that oh, we do. Sorry. It's our catchphrase. That we do. That we do. We need some kind of consistency around here because it's season five uh, of Shoot the Flick. We have returned. Welcome to 2024. We were trying to figure out what to do for our comeback episode. And I thought, you know, we are completionists here at Shoot the Flick. We like to watch everything when we've, when we've started a franchise. We like to finish her. So we decided, hey, we've watched all of the Indiana Jones movies, and there's a new one that we haven't even watched yet, because we all know it's going to be bad, so why bother? Well, because shoot the flick, that's why. That's why. So we have decided to watch for our comeback episode, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Still the dumbest name for any Indiana Jones there's ever been. Released in 2023. (laughs) The thing about this movie is it's very safe. It's very paint-by-numbers. It never feels like they stepped outside the box, really at all. You don't think time travel is stepping outside the box for Indiana Jones? Even the time travel feels... eh. We spend about five minutes there. Five minutes at the very end, and that's it. And for those of you who didn't know that this movie had time travel in it, <laughs> whoopsie, sorry about that. Oh. It's, 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 it's not great. I feel like we both thought it was going to be a lot worse than it ended up being. Yeah. There are definitely problems. Yeah. It's definitely not good. Yeah. But I didn't hate it. Like, Kingdom of Crystal Skull, hate. So bad. And this is bad, too, but I don't hate it. And I was trying to figure out why. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like, I I understand where they were going with this. They wanted it to be, like, Indy in his twilight years, you know, saying goodbye and all that stuff. So there's definitely a, a, not dark, like, Temple of Doom dark, but, like, a darker like melancholy to the movie but because that kind of takes over the whole movie it kind of loses the point of indiana jones in my opinion which is like adventure and you know comedy yeah i laughed one time in this movie one time and not even like really loud i just gave like a chuckle like oh god Uh, i remember what laughter is like you know that kind of laugh but that's the thing as much as Aliens is really stupid, the Aliens were at least a very significant part of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Dumb as it is, the time travel aspect, like, if you had this movie hypothetically be old indie, goes back in time after they find this fucking MacGuffin, and he's trying to prevent our main villain, Mads Mikkelsen, from changing time and trying to just reset time... That could be an interesting story. Yeah. Like he's trying to preserve history while Mads Mikkelsen changes it. It's like fucking it up, yeah. That's something that could be interesting. But that requires a lot of effort in the writing department. Oh, it does. (laughs) (laughs) These guys were not about. They were like, let's just bang this thing out and make money, maybe. That plus there's moral dilemmas plus there's like... 
there's a lot that could be discussed there, but you can clearly tell they were like, let's just try and write it so Indy can finish off and we can be done. Harrison doesn't have to come back. Well, I don't think they're going to make another indie movie for a long, long time. If they do, they're going to wait till after he's gone, I would assume. I hope. But that's the thing. I hope we don't see another indie movie ever. I don't, I'll never say never because, you know, in another 20 years, they'll maybe try and reboot it after Harrison's resting in hopefully peace. But I think, I think they'd reboot it if they thought that they were going to make money off of it i think they'd reboot it maybe it makes me nervous because the last two aren't good i gotta say though after we watched this movie i went back and re-listened to all of our prior indiana jones movie episodes and i, I gotta say it made this make more sense it helped me sort out my feelings on it a little bit and piece together the things that they did wrong and repeated from the past and the things that they did right in this movie so i I encourage everyone to go back and listen to all our indiana jones episodes and then maybe come back and listen to this one if you're not too sick of it but yeah uh let's get into some preliminary fun facts so we can get down and dirty in this nitty-gritty so this was directed and co-written by james mangold this is the first indiana jones movie that wasn't directed by spielberg uh, he was gonna direct at one point, but then I think he dropped out. I, I I just think they're like sick of this shit. They just like they want to move on and do other things. Well, just like fair, whatever. Well, yeah, but <laughs> and James Mangold is a great director. He's a great writer. He did Logan. Yeah, he actually compared this movie to Logan in a way, which I can understand because it's definitely a take on a character that's usually got a little more life and energy and maybe some fun behind it, adventurey, and then moving it to its twilight years and bringing it down well yeah in the same to breath- the end of life well yeah somewhat. but in the same breath the difference between logan and this is hugh jackman's not old they did a good job for the most part hiding the fact that indy was old in this movie but there's still some points where you're like yeah you're old indy <laughs> well we're gonna talk about the de-aging too in a minute but um it was also co-written by mangold along with uh, a few other guys there's four altogether. we have david kep who's a big action guy he was a writer on jurassic park mission impossible uh toby mcguire spider-man war of the worlds crystal skull so yeah great wonderful um and then we have these two brothers that one of them i was making fun of because his name sounds like jizz it's jez j-e-z and i i kept calling him jizz because i'm a 12 year old boy um, <laughs> but it's Jez and John Henry Butterworth. They also co-wrote Ford v. Ferrari, which Mangold also directed. Uh, they wrote Edge of Tomorrow, which what? is that's like a time travel type oh, yeah. thing, right? Mm-hmm. The other big issue, um, we'll get into it eventually, is usually when you have a movie like this, especially with an older main character, you introduce a younger character that you we can get behind. Mm-hmm. And both this and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull failed the younger character. I disagree with that, actually. But I will say, in this and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, when we discussed Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, we both expressed a lot of respect for Harrison Ford to like get back in the saddle. Because at that point, it was 20 years after the third movie, 
and he was making a statement like aging isn't the end you can it's a good thing and you don't have to be afraid of it and you can still kick ass at 60 something years old and I'm like okay that's really respectable and awesome uh in this one you still get that sense like he's really Harrison is really invested you can tell he's not just phoning it in oh definitely not he cares about this franchise which for Harrison Ford coming off of other franchises like (laughs) Star Wars that he clearly doesn't really give as much of a shit about uh or at least he didn't at the time when he was in it It, you know it's nice to see that and it definitely helped it helped this two and a half hour runtime oh yeah that's another big problem with this movie this fucking runtime it's like two hours and 37 minutes which is ungodly like why do you need to do that it was completely unnecessary. There's no reason for it. All the other movies clock in at like two hours on the dot or in a little less. Like it, there was no reason for it to be two and a half hours. We had to pause it a couple times and just like look at the runtime. I'm like, oh my God, we still have an hour left. I can't believe why. You would have easily probably cut 15 minutes from this movie. You could have cut 37 minutes from this you movie probably and could've. been just fine. You probably would have been fine with 37. But and like you could have made it two hours like all the other movies. But like. I don't get why you did that. Well, but if you clock in at two fifteen, I think that's a little more respectable and like easy that's to manage. That's fine. Yeah, you could have did that too. But why'd you have to make it two thirty seven? Yeah, Mangold Spielberg. Yeah, you could feel why. It. <laughs> Another big problem with this movie, I think, is the score. Yeah, looking at you, John Williams, five time Oscar winning composer, King. Where was it? Where was she? Where was the score? Because even in Crystal Skull, when he was in his 60s doing this shit, they had the iconic Indiana Jones theme in there. Granted, it was placed at inappropriate times, unnecessary times, but it was there a couple of times at least. In here, you it's all toned down. It's all like suppressed. There's not even one moment. And this is supposed to be the last Indiana Jones movie. So you would think that like just once in a, in a high octane moment, maybe even in the flashback where there's a flashback where he goes back to the forties in the beginning. Not even then do they do that. No, it's nowhere. Yeah. They have like a slow like undertone of it somewhere in the background at some point, but there's no, you, it's barely anywhere. There's no real theme anywhere, which is a problem if you're, especially if this is your goodbye movie to Indiana Jones, you couldn't in two hours and 37 minutes put the fucking theme in there. And there were moments where we sat there as we're watching the movie and go, where's the theme? It should be right here. Yeah. It was so bad. So, yeah, let's get into the nitty gritty, you guys. Let's do it. Uh, Let's get into this. I'm a little scared, but I'm also excited because A, we're back, bitch, and B, it's still Indiana Jones, and we're completionists, like we said, so. We have to finish this. We're going to finish it. So, we start with a flashback to 1944. And Indiana Jones is at the end of a noose. Well, well, he's in the bag again. Yeah. Well, okay. So he's being captured by, you guessed it, the Nazis. And he is, his face is covered by a bag because we have to have a big reveal of 
de-aged Indiana Jones. They throw him in a chair and they take the bag off and we see young Indy. And let's talk about this because Harrison Ford is officially now the oldest actor to be de-aged in a film. Before this, it was Pacino for Irishman because he was like 79, I think. Yeah. And now Harrison is the oldest. Yeah. And to be honest, like the first shot we saw of him when he was sitting in the chair, the room that he was in was pretty dark. I would hope purposely, you know, the filmmakers knew enough being like, okay, let's like, let's take it easy. And it looked fine. Yeah, it looked good. Like, I can't say it didn't look good. It looked good. But then Harrison spoke. Right. Yes. So his mouth movements looked a little awkward. And the main problem was probably his voice. Because he opened his mouth and started talking, and you heard the voice of a gristled, grumbly old man. And don't get me wrong, Harrison's always had a grizzled voice, but not yes. to this extent. Right. It's hard, because anytime they did a close-up on his face or put him in the light, it was very obvious. He almost looked like Chris Evans in Captain America First Avenger. It looks a little uncanny valley, you know? Yeah. And then I think there was only like maybe once or twice where they showed his full body in the flashback de-aging and it gave little old man crotchety like trying to move along. But that, I mean, those are things that can't be helped. I think in the age of de-aging, it's not the worst. No, it's it's not the worst. Like, he threw a couple punches and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And they had a action scene, a chase scene in the flashback that I think very purposely was in the dark and very choppy editing-wise. You know, we didn't want to focus too much on the details while he was in CG because it would just look like a shit show. Well, yeah. Also, because he quickly gets onto a Nazi train. And he's he's just kind of going from car to car. He's we not, love a Nazi train, don't yes, we? <laughs> we love a Nazi train. It's fine. It's okay that listen. He wanted to do a lot of his own stunts, as probably as many as he could. Harrison, I think that's commendable. Unfortunately, I, from what I understand, there was an injury during rehearsals. I think for the train scene, there was an injury to his shoulder. But you know that's kind of what you get, and he got back on the horse and he got back on the Nazi train and he went chugging along. Well, the horse is later, dear. The horse is later. Right. No, of course. But the flashback sequence, while sometimes it did look uncanny valley a little bit, was mostly okay. I'm not going to like shit on it completely because of this. Yeah, it's fine. But there's also like little things like there's a bomb here that blows up. Oh my God. Let's talk about this shit. Okay. You know, I mean, listen. We all have to accept in action movies, sci-fi movies, fantasy movies, there's things that happen because movie, right? Because, because movie magic, kids, and it doesn't really make sense, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> the Nazis at some point capture Indiana Jones and have him hanging from a noose and they're about to kill him. And all these Nazis are standing around laughing and watching him hang from this noose. And then a giant fucking bomb crashes into the house that they're in. It slowly but surely crashes down all the floors of the house. And then there's like a moment of silence where all the Nazis are like, whew, didn't explode. Thank God. And then, of course, 
It explodes, right? And all the Nazis go up. And Indiana Jones is fine. He is literally hanging now, literally hanging, because there's nothing left of the floor beneath them. All the Nazis are incinerated, supposedly, because there's no one else in the room now but Indiana Jones, and he's just hanging from this noose after a bomb just went off. It's like nuking the fridge, but not. No, the fridge is still worse. The fridge is still worse, but this is pretty bad. And then he somehow gets out of that, and then they go on a fucking motorcycle chase, and then the Nazi train, and all that crazy shit. So the purpose of this whole flashback sequence, though, is to introduce the premise of the movie, essentially. So we have Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. He's in 1944 on this Nazi train with his friend and fellow archaeologist, Basil Shaw, who's played by Toby Jones, yep. who ironically in Captain America First Avenger played <laughs> Arnim Zola and also was the voice of Dobie in Harry Potter. But he's there and they're looking for this like lance thing, yeah, this ancient lance or something. Indiana Jones finds it and finds out it's fake. But then we find out there's another artifact on the Nazi choo-choo. Yes. And I, it has a really long name that I don't remember what it is. So let's just call it the Dial of Destiny. It's this half of a big clock looking thing because time travel. And Basil Shaw is very excited about it. Harrison's like, okay, fine, let's just take it. Let's go. And then we meet the villain who is named Voler. Yes. Who is a scientist Nazi guy played by Mads Mikkelsen, yes. who is, you know, a villain extraordinaire. He's played many a villain. Cassilius in Doctor Strange. He played the Bond villain in Casino Royale. Yes. He played the villain in the fucking Fantastic Beasts, one of those fucking movies. Yes. You know, he's villain guy, and we love him for that. They also de-aged him a bit in this part, too. Yeah. His face looks smoother than a baby's bottom. And it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, but he gets tricked by Indy and gets smashed by a train car and is perfectly fine later on. Oh, my God. Yeah. he's So they're on the roof of the train and he's like, give me the fucking dial of destiny, bitch. And Harrison's like, no. And then he, all of a sudden there's this like, I don't know what it's called, but it's like like a... It's, it's, it's a signal thing. It's for Yeah, like, for like the train tracks. And he literally hits it full on in the face and flies off the train and knowing that he's the villain for the movie scott and i look at each other and we're like that guy should be dead <laughs> why is he and then he comes back when we're in present day mind you and there's not a scratch upon that man's face not a scratch at the very least he would be physically deformed uh, not a scratch or scarred or something no, or have a limp you nothing know, not a fucking thing Okay, so Indiana Jones and Basil Shaw get away, and we cut back to the future, or the present day, I should say, of 1969. Yes. We know it's 1969 because they're playing a Beatles song, ah. and it's the day of the moon landing, and everyone's feeling groovy, man. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we find out that Indiana Jones is like the crotchetiest of crotchety old men. We know this because he literally, 
hears like the young whippersnappers downstairs in his apartment building playing loud rock music and he you know goes down there with a fucking baseball bat like shut off that music you know it's oh my god it's so very cliche but uh <laughs> yeah we also find out he's retiring from teaching yeah and he- <laughs> we find out that he and marion are getting a divorce supposedly yeah if we find out he's teaching at hunter college which is just funny to me why because i almost went to Oh, did you? Oh, that's kind of funny. Well, you wouldn't have been taught by Indiana Jones no. here because you were born in 1991. I was, but, you know. Which is probably long after Indiana Jones was gone. <laughs> hey, time travel. Who knows? Oh, God. <laughs> well, we do know in this movie. Ah. So we see Indiana Jones teaching a class. All the students are bored by him. Long gone are the days where, like, young co-eds would sit in the front row and write i love you on their eyelids to him but then one girl in the back starts actually like communicating basically with him about how oh this this is this yeah answering all his questions and and you could see that she knows him well not even that but like this is one thing about harris like you can see there's a difference like he instantly perks up indy perks up here like he's like oh i get to actually talk about history it's a good little bit here. It is sweet. It, it definitely shows at least that Harrison still cares about Indiana Jones and wants it to be good, which again is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that 80 year old fucking Harrison Ford still cares about this character. But we officially meet our sidekick of the movie here, who is this young lady in his class. She runs into him later in a bar and sort of reintroduces herself to him because she's like, you don't remember me, do you? I'm Basil Shaw's daughter. I'm Helena. And he's like, oh, Wombat, which is like cute. He calls her Wombat the whole time. It's very sweet. But she's played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who ironically, since, you know, Star Wars, she voiced L3 in the Solo movie. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. But she's an award-winning star and writer of the show Fleabag. She's really talented. I liked her in this movie. I feel like she was one of the things that worked. And here, here's my argument, and you can you can argue with me in a minute. Okay. So, listening back to our old episodes, there's been a lot of sidekicks and side chicks in the Indiana Jones franchise. Yes. And I feel like one of the ones that worked the best was Short Round. Yes. Because there is that sort of father-child type relationship. There. Yes. And I felt like it's not as good as him in Short Round. By the way, the fact that Ki Hoi Kwan is not in this movie <laughs> is a sin. Especially since he had his big comeback. Like, they, why? Give him a fucking end credit scene or something. Like, give him something, damn it. Let us see them back together. But, yeah. Anyway, I liked Helena and Indy together because they clearly did have a history and yeah i feel like they played that well i feel like they had good chemistry together Uh, and they were cute uh. so they were a part of the movie that i liked i think the problem that impeded that relationship from maybe getting some more juice out of it was the fact that they threw in a lot of other side characters that were completely pointless but we'll get to that yeah there is something there but there are times where i just feel like weird it just felt a little off and well, i think the whole movie in a sense feels maybe a little maybe off. <laughs> maybe it's just because the whole movie is a little off that it's just like 
I couldn't get behind the two of them. I am glad that they didn't, because that was the rumor for the whole, like, coming out of this movie. Like, every trailer, like, oh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is his daughter. I'm like, I'm glad oh, she... Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't think they the were going to do that because... time. Because like, it just wouldn't have made sense that she comes out of the woodwork now as his daughter. Well, I, I was like, I think I even heard a rumor at one point that she was going to be the daughter of... Like, she was, like, the daughter of him and... Elsa? <laughs> no, God, no. Uh, Imagine. Oh, Jesus no, fucking God. what's her face? Spielberg's uh, wife? Yeah. Ew, really? That's I, disgusting. I heard it at one point. <laughs> Willie Scott? No. Uh, yeah, like, and I was like, oh, God, that'd be a miserable choice. That would be, no, that would be dumb. They wouldn't do that. Well, they did try to make a lot of callbacks to Temple of Doom in this movie, so it wouldn't have shocked me if they were going to try something stupid like that. I don't think they would even do um, that. No, they wouldn't go that far. And yeah, maybe it is partially because the side characters, and there's so much with the fucking side characters. There's like a fucking uh, prince of like a mob family that she said she was going to marry. Yeah, and then there's she this- also has a like a younger like teenage boy that she looks after that's in there there's just a lot of no no purpose to them and then um well we'll talk about another big one in a little bit but like it's just a lot of red herrings for characters that are gonna matter in the movie that don't matter at all and maybe they take away from me wanting these two to connect more i think they absolutely do i think if you took at least you know a few of those people out of it a, you would have lessened your runtime, and B, you would have let the audience not give a fuck about these random people that don't matter, and let them focus on this core relationship. You know what? That's probably the better way to describe it than in my head thinking about it. Because yeah, I just feel like there's not enough with her. There's not enough for that's me. The for me to care. They probably didn't trust it to be honest, because the last time they did that, they tried to introduce a new younger character to like have a relationship with indiana jones and have that be the it was mutt and it didn't work out so well so they didn't really fully trust it so they're like you know more is more not less is more more is more let's add fucking half an hour to the runtime and let's add a whole bunch of pointless side characters like oh look this looks like an interesting person oh look it's antonio banderas it's like what what are you doing (laughs) like yeah you could have had points because there are definitely connections that you could have opened up with Temple of Doom, where Indy was a grave robber. He was right about the money. Well, that's the other thing, too, because we find out that Helena is an antiquities dealer, like on the black market. Yeah, stolen antiquities. Yeah. So she is, as I said, Shaw's daughter, but she's also Indy's goddaughter. But... Um, after Shaw and Indiana Jones came back to America with the Dial of Destiny, the, the first half of it, it basically drove Shaw insane, trying to figure out what it is and where's the second half and, you know, time travel. Ooh. And um, Helena sort of resents Indy for not looking out for her when her dad was fucking losing his mind. And she in the beginning tells him you know i want to complete this for dad and i want to find it and da, da, da. but in reality she wants to take it from indy so she can go sell it to somebody well again she does she says something about like being driven to do something so much that your father because like indy goes your father went crazy for this how could you go down the same road this is one of those times where you have self-reflection with indy where you go 
oh fuck, I did the same thing in fucking right. Last Crusade. Right. With the if fucking went Holy, the Holy Grail. Grail. Yeah. I thought that was cute. She literally was like, well, wouldn't you do the same thing? And it, it's silence, but in your mind, you're like, oh, he's thinking like, well, I did do the same thing. <laughs> and I almost died. <laughs> so Indiana Jones takes helena to the college because he has the first half of the dial hidden in the archives at the college so he goes to the college with her gets the dial and wouldn't you know it voler is also in the picture now mads mickelson is there in new york and he is also looking for the dial of destiny and he tracks down helena because i guess they know that helena is looking for it Mads also has the CIA on his side. He's working for NASA. Apparently, he built the fucking rocket ship that went to the moon in 1969. Well, I, I think that's an actual thing. Like, I'm sure it is. Well, I think the U.S. government did like take Nazi scientists and use them to, you know, create like space travel and a bunch of other random things that America kind of propelled themselves right. through the 60s and 70s. So we have Voler. And he has two goons that I don't know if they're actually CIA agents or if I think that, that, that Voler has kind of turned to his side or if they're just his goons or whatever. But he also has a black female CIA agent in 1969. Her name's Agent Mason. She's played by Seanette Renee Wilson. I want to mention her name because because they build her up and then fucking do nothing do nothing with her they build her up in the beginning like she's gonna be something and be important to the fucking plot just for her to be shot in the stomach it's fucking annoying i was actually really upset about it because okay so they go she goes with these two goons looking for helena right and they find her with indy and there's a big chase scene but in the midst of everything, the two goons fucking murder two of the staff members of the college. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are you insane? Helena gets away because Indy finds out that she's just stealing the fucking dial to go sell it on the black market. And he's like, what the fuck? So the, the goons and everything, they capture Indy and then they get stuck in this fucking parade the you know because it's moon landing day and it's there's also a fucking war protest because you know vietnam war and all that's going on and indy escapes and all that he fucking goes on a horse <laughs> into the subway into the subway oh geez but yeah that that at least was like sort of fun yeah. that sequence oh it was definitely fun we were joking that these fucking like 20 30 year old should be ashamed that they're getting their ass kicked by fucking indiana jones but it all ends up leading to he is accused of murdering these two fucking yeah he's teachers. he's getting framed for their murders which, so he has to flee the country which i have no idea how but to leave the country he gets some help from an old friend yay sal is back john reese davies yeah which is funny because in one of the episodes, I think in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode, because they didn't bring him back and they had some other random guy as like Indy's friend. And I'm like, why didn't you just bring back Sala? Because Lord of the Rings was happening and Gimli's a better paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is 20 years after Return of the King. So I think we're okay. <laughs> I think John Reese davies is like, okay, cool. I'll come back now. So Sala helps Indy figure out, oh, you know, if Helena's going to go and sell that dial uh it would probably be in tangier yeah. there's this hotel in tangier where you know auctions happen and da, 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 da. 
So he helps Indy flee the country. There's one point where he drops him off at the airport and he's like, I want to come too. And he's like, no, Sala, you can't come. We're old as fuck now. It's going to be hard enough with just me. <laughs> I wanted one moment. I did want one moment where Sala shows up randomly at the end and like just knocks somebody out and saves Indy. He's that like, would have been fun. Just one. But Indy gets to Tangier, tracks down Helena and stops the auction. Fowler also shows up with his goons. And there's a big struggle. Fowler grabs the dial and runs out. Indiana goes after Voler along with Helena and her little mob boss fiance is also in the mix because why not? We need more people. Like, okay, whatever. So then we have um, the introduction of Helena's little teenage sidekick. Which I guess is their, like, attempt at making another short round, which how fucking dare you? You could never. Um, But his name's Teddy. He's completely a dead fish, and I feel bad because he's a teenage kid. But, like, they don't give him any personality traits at all. Like, at one point, we stopped the movie because we had to go walk the dog. And I said, Scott, before we go walk the dog, because it was holding on Teddy's face. We paused on this kid Teddy's face, and I'm like, Name a personality trait of Teddy. And he's like, he's a pickpocket. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a personality trait. <laughs> the o- that's a noun. That's, <laughs> like, that's what he is. The only two things I can give you about Teddy is he's a pickpocket and he can't swim. Sure. Yeah, that's his like character arc of the movie. He can't swim. And then at the end, he swims. And that's his arc. And he flies a plane, too. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> I bet Harrison Ford was like, yeah, it's not too hard. He can fly a plane because doesn't he have a pilot's license? He does. Didn't he crash a fucking he plane? He did. I'll yeah. do a golf course. Great. Good job. Okay. So <laughs> the CGI at this part looks the shittiest because they're clearly not riding through the fucking streets of Tangier. They're clearly in a green screen and some director probably not james mangold probably like the fucking b director you know it's like all right now shake around like this <laughs> and pretend you're in a in a little car and you know it's just it doesn't look great but <laughs> no the only like interesting stuff that comes out of this whole sequence is ironically the stuff between indy and helena which is like very scratch the surface levels shit like he's very judgmental of her for being a fucking smuggler which you know is a little not nice because you know in temple of doom like scott was saying he was a little fucking pirate too thieving and selling and shit so why are you judging so harshly well he's like would your father be proud of this you should be ashamed of yourself i'm like okay god okay calm the fuck down like this girl's been through a lot give her a minute like breathe never forget where you came from yeah crotchety old indiana jones so we go through this whole chase scene and of course they don't get the dial back from voler but they know where the tablet is that can tell us where the second half is so we're not we're not out of it yet but meanwhile with voler the cia intercepts him because they realize that he went rogue and like you know fucking killed people and shit (laughs) <laughs> and left a giant mess in fucking Tangiers as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the government ends up disavowing him for his actions. Agent Mason has him on the plane and is like, you know, chastising him and being like, you got to disappear. 
or you're gonna you know stand trial da, 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 da. like they're they're done with you they want you to go away the government so Voller's like oh no 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 I won't be doing that and his goons you know go into action and they fucking kill this girl and I'm like what the fuck because <laughs> they really built her up like she was this like morally struggling character that eventually was gonna you know turn on the Nazi like how fucking awesome would that be you have a black female CIA agent that was gonna turn on the fucking yeah. scientist Nazi and work with Indiana Jones to like fight the Nazi like how is that not something you want to explore but no they just shoot her and she dies on the helicopter and that's it yeah, unceremoniously and they steal the helicopter and go off looking for this tablet that's supposed to find the second half of the dial. Yes, the tablet's in Greece. So Indiana Jones teams up with his old friend, Ronaldo, who, this one pissed me off. <laughs> because Ronaldo is played by fucking Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Who is wasted. Wasted in this movie. He does nothing scott actually thought that his role was going to be bigger that he was going to like betray indy and like he was a nazi but they don't even give him that they're like no you're just a deep sea diver because the the tablet that's supposed to show everyone where the other half of the dial is is in this shipwreck off the coast of somewhere in greece so he has to deep sea dive with ronaldo and get the tablet and there you go. That's another MacGuffin for Team Jones. Yes. So they do that and they find the fucking tablet and they go back up and wouldn't you know what Voller's there with his goons. Oh, but they had to do this too. This, this was so... Eels. Eels are like snakes. Oh, Just yeah. Just in water. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Um, but before we get to what happens here i do want to mention that before we go deep sea diving there's this one scene that i think is like the most indicative of like indy and helena are the core relationship here and we could have done something really good with them because they have actually a really nice scene together so indy and helena are talking about the dial you know, because all the information they have about where the the tablet was and what this dial could potentially do was all from her father's notes and stuff over the years. And he's like, oh, your father was a genius. And she's like, if you could go back in time, because that's what Shaw thought that the dial could do, is find fissures in time and go into them and go back in time. But Helena says, if you could go back in time and do anything, what would you do? And Indy says, I would stop my son from enlisting in the army. And this is where you really learn, like, what happened to Mutt. They, they killed Mutt off, <laughs> off screen in the Vietnam War. And listen, when I first read about this in my research, I was like, wow, they really hated Shia LaBeouf so much. <laughs> well, <laughs> they killed him. They didn't, like, you know, say, like, oh, he's in college or, oh, he's in the war. No, they just killed his ass. 
But then we got to the scene and they actually made something out of it, which was nice. It's actually very sad and it's like a moving performance from him. It's a really moving performance. I honestly think it's his best performance part of the movie. I think so too. And I think Helena's reactions here are also really good because also she has that empty feeling in her heart too where her father used to be. And she, like I said, sort of resents Indy for not being there for her. It it was just a nice moment and I feel like it's a shame because that's a moment that actually works in the movie and if it wasn't bogged down by so much other chuffa and other characters that are pointless and other, you know, I feel like this could have been something more here. Well, yeah, you you can do all the adventure stuff, but you, you have the grief and trying to recapture something and you felt like you felt it here. Harrison sells the shit out of this. So back to the ship after the sea dive, after we have the tablet, Voler's here. Voler wants them to read the tablet. Indiana can read it. He says no. He shoots Ronaldo. Antonio Banderas is gone. And you're like, what was the point of you, sir? Yeah. It could have been anybody here. You wasted Antonio Banderas's time. Therefore, I am upset it's insulting i would be insulted if i was antonio banderas i'm like do you know who i am i'm the fucking dad from spy kids <laughs> yes that's what <laughs> that's what he's so known for that's what he leads with i was the dad <laughs> from spy kids i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't fucking zorro <laughs> but um Helena ultimately agrees to read the thing the tablet and tell voler where the stuff is so she's reading it And it's clear at some point, because she kind of motions to Indy, and she has a firework behind her back that she's trying to light and, like, start a distraction. So it's clear that, like, she's telling him, she's telling him information, but she's leading him the wrong way. The thing about these types of movies, this Uncharted, Tomb Raider. Uncharted? Oh, no. Well, they're all Indiana Jones knockoffs, because that's what this all is at this point. There's always, like, the clue, and then the second part of the clue that right. only our heroes can figure out. Right. But, like, Indy and Helena and, you know, Teddy, not that Teddy is being required to think at all, he's just there. They don't think to, like, go somewhere away from here and then read the second part of the clue or, like, talk about the extra information that they kept from Bowler. No, they just sit there in open water while the fucking villains are like right there with an eye shot they're like looking at them with binoculars and then they figure out where to go and then they go and Boulder and the guys follow them so it's like what was the point of doing this whole like trickery if it's just gonna whatever it's so stupid <laughs> it, it is it's like an obvious thing that you could very easily fix, fix but no okay whatever but okay, so they end up in Sicily. Sicily, that's right. They end looking up looking for the second half of the Dial of Destiny. Yes. Oh, Voler ends up kidnapping Teddy. Oh yeah, Voler kidnaps to Teddy to get the information and, out of him. And we care. Aren't you scared, Teddy? Oh no! And then he gets knocked into the water with one of the goons. Yes, the the biggest goon. Yeah, and then he learns how to swim, and he kills a man oh yeah he definitely kills this guy oh okay that's that's teddy's arc just wasted time who gives a fuck it's a 
wasted time. But Indy and Helena find Archimedes's tomb. Yes. That's the thing. The Dial of Destiny was originally created by Archimedes. So they find his tomb in a cave. They find the second half of the dial. And on his tomb, they find evidence of time travel because there's on, on the tomb itself there's like a what was it an angel or something with uh, it, propellers on it yeah an angel with propellers something like that but propellers he's wearing a watch a watch which is not a thing that existed back then so they're like oh i guess the thing really does work okay and then voler shows up He's like, I'm going to take the Dial of Destiny. And this is where we get, like, the big reveal, the villain's plan reveal. So he's going to take the Dial of Destiny. And Indiana Jones is like, who are you going to kill so you can win the war? Meaning World War II, obviously. Yes. And um, Voler says, I'm going to go back in time. (laughs) This is so stupid. I'm going to go back in time and kill Hitler. (laughs) So I can be the new Hitler and win the war. Well, okay. Yes. When you say it like that, it, it does sound dumb. dumb. But, like, the idea isn't so far-fetched. Like, where, like, hypothetically, if you have a Nazi, he's like, I saw all these problems and Hitler wouldn't listen to me. But if I go back in time and I become the true ruler of leading Nazi Germany... Like, the idea theoretically could work if done well, but we are running out of real estate in this movie. (laughs) We have about 30 minutes left. It's weird, man. It's just weird. It doesn't really... In on paper, it sounds nice, maybe, but it, it in execution, literally, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get close enough to him? Because you've never met him. So how are you going to get close enough to him? Well, even if he did, let's say he did. You're going to tell me you're going to kill Hitler. And then all the other Nazis can be like, okay, you're our leader now. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> this isn't Game of Thrones. You don't, like, kill the guy and sit on the Iron Throne and then you're the king. Like, that's not how it works. But... Teddy, he is like waiting in the wings. He jumps one of the other goons and a sort of fight ensues trying to get the dial. Uh, Indy gets shot. For the 10th time. Yes, he has officially been shot more times than 50 Cent. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So he gets shot in the shoulder and he yells at Helena and Teddy to run. For some reason, they don't kill Indy. So they go to uh, like an airstrip. Yes. They put Indy on a plane. They all go on a plane because they found a time fissure because of the dial of destiny. You know, they put it together, found a fissure in the sky. It's a big fucking portal in the sky, guys, because that's not a thing that's overused. I thought we were over portals in the sky. Uh, I think we're over beams coming from the sky. It's the same shit. So Helena and Teddy are following. Yes. To try to save Indy. And here's where we get one of the more fucking ridiculous logical things even more so i probably than the fucking time fissure in the sky because hey if indy's a sci-fi movie now we can have time fissures in the sky sure like, why not whatever but you know what we else we can do we can have a 15 year old drive a plane helena manages to get onto the plane that indy's on yes. she she hides in the landing gear but before she goes to hide in the landing gear she turns to teddy and says hey teddy you see that little plane over there you think you can fly that thing it's like what 
<laughs> what do you mean do you think you can fly that thing? They Is the assumption that because he's a pickpocket, he can hotwire a plane? That's a very, very, very big jump, writers uh, of this movie. <laughs> Jizz Butterworth. I'm talking to you, sir. Either what w- the fuck is that? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> so you have this child fly a plane in the rain, in the pouring rain. Grown men can't fly a plane like that, probably in nope. storms like this. Nope. But you have this 15-year-old child just fucking put it in the air. <laughs> Following the giant Nazi plane. I don't understand. But not only that, the actual pilot of the plane. Oh, is in there sleeping. And he wakes up and is like, what's going on? <laughs> so stupid. And, but then the kid's still flying the plane. Oh, God. Whatever, man. It's so, it's like, you know, again, you can make logic leaps and suspend your disbelief in movies like this, right? That's okay. But there's a certain point where the suspension of disbelief oh, yeah. is stretched too thin. Like, and I'm sorry, when you're talking about a kid who you've barely characterized in this entire movie, like, you know, what do you, how, why? No, just say, stay here, little boy. And like, I don't know, call the police. I don't know. What do you do in that situation? <laughs> call somebody. Fly a plane. Don't fly a plane. <laughs> fly a plane into the past. Like what was the, what was the point of doing that? So that when they crashed the Nazi plane, they'd have another plane to fly out of the fucking vagina in the sky. <laughs> it's the little time vagina in the sky. The time vagina <laughs> coming to a theater near you. Oh God. Anyway, so we go back on the Nazi plane, and we get the only genuine laugh I got out of this movie. Bowler is continuing to explain his stupid fucking plan to Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones turns around to Voller and says, You're German, Voller. Stop trying to be funny. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you got one dial of destiny. Out of two and a half hours, over two and a half hours, you got one laugh. You got one. Good job. Turns out Voller's plan to go back to Nazi Germany isn't actual things. They end up in fucking 214 B.C., because apparently the dial that was created by Archimedes was only created to come back from the future to 214 BC to help Archimedes with the the Battle of Syracuse. Yes. They mentioned it in the lecture earlier in the movie where Indy was back at the school talking to the kids. So we we know what the T is here. So they, they end up back in 214 BC in the middle of this battle with the Romans. And they think the fucking Nazi plane's a dragon. Which, so they shoot it the fuck down. Which, why wouldn't they? Right. And the fucking dumbass goons are like shooting their guns at these people. And Indiana's like, what the fuck? They think you're a monster. What are you doing? <laughs> so Indy finds out that Helena's on the plane. He grabs her and they end up parachuting out of the plane just before it crashes. Yeah, they Bowler's sh- dead. All the goons are dead. Everybody's yeah. dead. And Teddy, this 15-year-old child... <laughs> manages to land the plane safely despite the fact that he was also in the air in a plane that could have very easily been mistaken also for a dragon but he manages to land safely without any fire being lobbed at him at all well yes exactly okay Uh, Okay. and then you know another roman goes to try and kill indy 
Saved last minute by Archimedes. Sure. Rindy's like, I'm going to stay here. Oh, my God. Okay, so here's where we get our, like, emotional fucking climax of the movie. Or, like, I don't even know what to call this, but it's it's a thing that happens. The fissure, or vagina, shiny vagina in the sky, it starts to collapse. It's closing. Teddy's like, we got to go. Like, come on, let's get in my extra plane that I happen to bring here for convenience. Indy's got a fucking hole in his shoulder and he's like, I'm fucking done. Like, I, what am, no, I'm staying here. What am I going to go back for? My wife's divorcing me. My son's gone. I can't even teach anymore. I'm fucking bleeding out. And they have this sort of emotional moment, him and Helena. It doesn't feel completely earned. No. But she's like crying and she, she does a good job. They both do a good job, I would say, acting wise in the scene, but it just doesn't hit the emotional notes that they want it to i think no and they have this like emotional moment where she's begging him to go and he's like no i'm gonna stay and he's like get on the plane da, da, da. punches his lights out yeah which again i kind of find strange like he didn't choose to go back on his own he was forced to go back i don't know it feels like the, there was a lesson that they were trying to have come across and it wasn't really learned because he didn't want to go back (laughs) so yeah helena knocks his ass out and puts him on the plane and they go and he wakes up in 1969 with his shoulder bandaged up and he's fine and he reunites with helena we see sala sala comes in and you know says the final goodbye to the indie fans with a big song he's like walking through the fucking uh stairs at the apartment complex singing for no reason because he's sala because it's sala why not and of course marion marion's there and she you know they had like a nice quiet moment of like reuniting and it's it's I like how they did that because it wasn't like, you know, she just ran into his arms and like, you know, embraced him immediately. She's clearly still hurting and going through shit. But like she also clearly loves Indy still and he loves her and they have a kiss and it's very sweet and they're reunited and that's nice. But yeah, the movie ends. I don't know how I felt at the end. Ugh. I felt very like, eh. Not eh, like, well, eh of the quality, but just eh, like as far as my emotion about it. Yeah. I, I, I feel like if you're ending this big franchise and this iconic character and you're having a send off of Indiana Jones, I feel like you should have a more powerful, positive send off. What's more powerful than old people's sex, dear? Oh, my God. <laughs> Part of me had a thought at the end of this movie. And I don't know why I had this thought, but I thought they were going to try something really dumb. Because they kill this guy who tries to kill Indy in the past, in the Battle of Syracuse. He gets shot in the back with an arrow and he dies. Oh my dies. god, it like leads to like... Mutt being alive at the end. <gasps> oh, I didn't even think of that. I thought like somehow, some way... Some like butterfly effect Like shit. this guy dying led to like... <gasps> That would have been interesting. All these things happening. Imagine you said Shia LaBeouf walk in at the end. Like, both Marion and Shia walk in at the end. Everyone would have been screaming. And I'm like, oh, like, that's where I, in my head, I'm like, that would be a very, like. That would have been great. Uh, like, just because, like, 
you have this whole moment. I'm like, I, I don't even know how you would explain it. No, but you don't have to. It's fine. But Butterfly like, effect. <laughs> this, this one guy dying leads to the chain of events where Shia survives. That would have been crazy. But also, this would have been a nice moment at the end where, you know, you have Sala be like, okay, guys, I'm going now, bye. And you see Marion for the last time. It would have been a nice time. To have Kiwi Kwan come back and be like, oh, hey, Dr. Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's... Just for like a little cameo at the end. Be like, hey, Dr. Jones. The, the, or like he had become a doctor and he was there like he, yeah, he rapped in the. Yeah, that would have been cool. But no. <laughs> nope. We Co- can't do anything to give everybody a little jolt at the end. of Like, <gasps> no, we can't do that. God forbid. But um, ultimately, that was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I feel like the main debate that Indiana Jones fans are having, movie fans in general are having, is which is worse, this or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Well, okay. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull took a lot more big swings. It took chances that failed horribly. This felt like we were in the box and we are staying in the box. Okay, I I get what you're saying, and I do agree in certain respects. Yeah, I, I think they had this core relationship that they didn't fully trust in, so they threw in a lot of extra characters to try to pad things, and they figured quantity over quality, maybe, as far as characters, and just wanted to, you know. Yeah. But they, they did throw in good action sequences they did manage to have at least one genuine like emotional scene that did really well yeah i think overall the visual effects were better than king of the crystal skull because i mean if i have to watch that swinging monkey scene again in the jungle i'm gonna kill myself but in the same breath so king of the crystal skull came out in 2008 we still talk about nuking the fridge and the monkey scene as bad as they are Well, they are really bad. They are really bad. But in 12 years, is there anything in this movie we will ever bring up? Outside of just the concept of time travel being in the movie, probably not. I will die on the hill that, like, I feel like the character of Helena was good and I, I liked her and I wish that they had trusted that character a little more. But, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you that this movie is more safe because it's not as memorable as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Crystal Skull is memorable, but for all the wrong reasons. Exactly. So I I get that, but I do think that I'll I'll put my stamp on it and officially say I think that this movie is better than Crystal Skull. I'd rather watch this again than watch Crystal Skull. Oh, I'll watch this again over Crystal Skull. So, Scotty, where are you falling with your rating on this (sighs) for Dial of Destiny? I gave it a spot-on average 2.5. I also gave it a 2.5. I was considering going 3 because there were things that I liked, but I think overall there are more things I didn't like than things I did. So I ultimately gave it a a 2.5. There are a lot of mistakes that are repeated from prior Indiana Jones movies from the score to useless characters to wasting valuable 
relationships in the movies that could be expanded on to wasting actors like Antonio Banderas. I'm not over it, bitch. I think that this movie, if nothing else, shows that like the sci-fi elements of Indiana Jones aren't necessarily a problem. I don't think that and I think I said this in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as well in our episode on that. I don't think the inclusion of aliens was necessarily the problem in that movie. Just like I don't think including time travel in this movie is necessarily the problem. I think the writing of the characters and their relationships and the humor, there's no humor in this movie. And there, from what I remember of Crystal Skull, not a lot of humor in that movie either. I feel like the humor in the first three Indiana Jones movies is essential to that tone of like the franchise and it's completely lost in the newer movies well again th- there's a thing about <clears throat> Indy that makes him so likable is everything kind of feels accidental yeah and that's what you get with the but fir- he's still suave too well he's like- suave as hell but like it's nothing feels like it's supposed to be on purpose like in the fights it all feels like it feels like Indy could die at any fucking moment well certainly this movie <laughs> Well, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Indy. Well, at at least in the first three movies, like you felt like, oh, Indy could die here. I feel like once we got to four and to five, that was gone. Like that sense of like, oh, Indy could actually fucking die. And that kind of takes away some of the The excitement from Indy. Yeah. But ultimately for a movie that really had no business existing. Or being made, I think that it did okay. It did significantly better than I thought it was going to do. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about these long franchises, and that's why like, it's so difficult to be like, oh, let's end on top. Every franchise does it. You either go out with a whimper or a fucking disaster. You never go out on top. Yeah. There are very few franchises or histories where the thing was like, oh, they, it went out perfectly. Back to the future. Yes. You know, now I'm thinking about like the ending that you came up with or even just having King Hui Kwan in there at the end. I feel like it would have given the movie an extra boost because it would have gave... A happy note. It would have gave a happy note, but it also would have gave, you know, the Twitterverse... Or the X-verse. Or, you know, just social media and shit. Something to talk about and people, like, just to get people excited to go see it. People weren't excited to see this movie. If you had Ki Hui Kwan show up at the end and go, oh, how's our patient doing? Yeah. And he's in, like, a doctor's room. That would have been sick. I'm already, like, I'm just, like, smiling just thinking about that. Like, again, it's just a little fan service. Yeah. It would have got people excited to watch it. But um, I, I'm really excited to start up Shoot the Flick again, season five. Scott's going to be showing me a movie next week that everyone's going to be mad at me that I haven't seen it. But it's going to be okay. We're going to fix it, okay? I'm going to watch it, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, everybody. We're going to go from one iconic franchise to another iconic franchise. So until then, this has been Shoot the flick i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott eisberg make sure you check us out on instagram and twitter at shoot the flick and check out all of our episodes on itunes spotify google podcast and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast and make sure you come back next week for our dark and brooding movie adventure now hit the theme da, 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 da. Da, da, da.